Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. This is the Tools for Resilience series, wellness and mental health chats focused on helping you grow and feel good about who you are. We'll be exploring ideas and practical tools designed to help you get comfortable with the vulnerability inherent in being human and the benefits of embracing it. And we'll reveal ways that working with this vulnerability builds resilience so that you can deepen your resources, adapt more, bounce back better and go on to thrive. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the extra bonus content. What did you learn from your family about emotions and vulnerability? Do you know how to ask for what you need? Do you allow yourself to get close to people? Relationships, the way we are treated and how we behave, When it comes to the people we're closest to, this can be an intense source of vulnerability. This is where some of the biggest challenges to resilience rise up, from shame and disgust to rejection and fear. Relationships can be a source of great joy and growth when you're in the right place. But if you find them hard to navigate, then you're not alone. And if you feel like you keep repeating the same old patterns in relationships, then you have definitely come to the right place with this podcast as we're going to be talking about attachment styles, which tend to be at the heart of this. Attachment theory is a large and complex topic, but in a nutshell, it's all about the bonding process we had with our caregiver or caregivers as a child. How our needs were met or not met in the first 20 months of life and the way we were treated as we grew up will have an impact on our view of relationships and how we expect others to behave towards us. Attachment relates to trust, which is why the way we form attachment as children has such a big impact on relationships later in life. Whether it's friendships or intimate relationships, your attachment style can affect everything, from how you communicate to whether you're able to sustain relationships or not, and how you feel when you're in them. Unresolved attachment issues can interfere with your ability to maintain close relationships, which is why this is one vulnerability it makes sense not to run away from. Dr. Jane Horsall is a chartered counselling psychologist and a trained addictions counsellor who has helped many people embrace their attachment challenges and learn to heal. She has more than 10 years of study, research and clinical experience behind her within the NHS, charity and private sectors and offers therapies including EMDR and CBT. Jane provides a number of therapy services including counselling and psychotherapy for codependency and attachment issues. In her work, she's been able to support clients with attachment issues in building confidence to understand and accept the past and move on from it. Because the one big thing to note about attachment style is that it can change. Whatever happened in your childhood doesn't have to go on to control the rest of your life. So Jane, welcome. Hi Alex, thank you for inviting me on today. Um, Just to start with, can you explain a bit more about who you are and what you do in relation to attachment work? So I am a charter counselling psychologist, like you said in your introduction, and um, attachment work is fundamental. It's so important because it underpins our social functioning. It's a crucial part of our emotional development. And from from most of the clients that come in for therapy do, you know, experience relationship issues. And therefore it has to be, you know, it's so important to understand um, why these things need to be addressed. So if we think about it from an evolutionary perspective, we need to cultivate strong relationships for survival and reproductive advantages. So to seek love, comfort and support from others is human nature, yet so many people find themselves repeating negative behavioral patterns, find themselves in toxic relationships, 
uh, or isolating or avoiding um, because they worry so much. And so they struggle, struggle to sustain attachments to people, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships. And I'm passionate about this area because like I said, every client that comes through the door struggles with this in some way. And it is the root of everything. And therapeutically, um, just so many people aren't aware that actually those your early years actually determine so much in terms of how we are going to respond to others and how we relate. I think it's probably entirely possible to go through life without realising that your responses are a product of your attachment stuff, isn't it? No, completely, completely. So many people don't realise that how much is determined in those younger years. And attachment theory, because it focuses on relationships and bonds, particularly long term, between people, friends, a parent, a child, romantic partnerships, we have to explore, you know, the impact of what these have had um, and how they determine how we behave as an adult. So the British psychologist John Balby was the first attachment theorist, and he explored how the quality of care from a child's primary caregiver in the first three years of a child's life directly relates to the quality of attachment in adulthood. So um, attachment is the emotional bond, and he suggested that the closer the infant was to the mother, the higher chance of survival. So in other words, those primary caregivers that are available or responsible or responsive, I should say, to an infant's needs will then allow the child to develop a sense of security and trust. And if that bond is secure in infancy, then we grow up having a secure attachment. And if that bond is weak, then this leads to an insecure attachment. And what he developed, which Mary Ainsworth then built on, was that we have different styles of attachment. Um, there's one secure and there's three insecure attachment styles. So with a secure one, a child has learned to trust the caregiver, that they will return if they're left. They tend to be more confident. They tend to be able to communicate their needs more. Secure attachment style, they tend to have a positive more of a positive self-image and they deal with things in a healthier way and they can often work through conflict more effectively so the insecure there's three types of insecure attachment like i mentioned so there's anxious ambivalent there's anxious avoidant or there's disorganized insecure attachment so if we start with the anxious ambivalent a child can often become distressed when a parent leaves so poor parental availability, they can be the here one minute, they're not the next, so a child doesn't know where they stand. This can affect about 15% of the population, so a small minority, but still can have a huge effect on them being able to sustain a long-term relationship. Because of the unpredictability and the attention, they're often very clingy, often very clingy to the mother, um, and very they often as well, which we find with these this presentation they have raised emotional state so as a child in order to get the attention because it's ambivalent and they don't know where they're going to get it they often can respond in a way of anger or try and get the parent or the caregiver's attention and then they will follow this through in adulthood so as a way of finding um, getting attention in a, a romantic partnership they can often be quite moody or quite angry or clingy they want to know like you know they're looking for the attention that they basically didn't get and that's what they've learned as a way of of seeking a response yeah obviously can be detrimental into the relationship so emotionally can be unpredictable can be inconsistent if their needs especially aren't met so 
going on to the anxious avoidance, so the insecure avoidant type, which um, this often, well, this will happen when parents are pretty strict. So as infants, they show no preference between a caregiver or a stranger as a result of either an abusive or neglectful caregiver. So the infant will have not been allowed to express emotion, therefore taught to avoid showing the feelings, um, to avoid the fear of being punished. These, these people with this attachment style will often choose to withdraw when put into highly charged emotional situations. Their experience of attaching to someone that's not safe means it's, hard, it's, enter to, it's harder to enter relationships. So they're very cautious about entering and they'll often pull away. And this is where you often get into these cycles because avoidance often like to date anxious attachment. And then they find themselves, as soon as the anxious, you know, is showing more clingier behavior or wanting the attention, these avoidance will pull away because they don't feel that safe enough or they don't feel that they can deal with um, the experience of attaching to someone that, that is requiring a lot of attention. So, it's hard to enter new relationships. They get scared of intimacy and they can often feel only feel safe if they're meeting their own needs. And then finally, the disorganized, which in a way can be the most harmful, I think, to, um, to a child. But these infants display confusing mix of behaviors. If the child does have abusive parents, um, if they're yelled at, if, they're avoid, if they avoid or resist their parents, um, if they then feel unsafe as an adult, they may have the core belief that they're unlovable, um, they're not worthy of love, so they tend to have negative self-image. So there's a real fear of affection, um, and that tends to be ones, like I said, they've either experienced sexual abuse, violence, neglect, or trauma. And if you think about a lot of what's going in the, on in the world at the moment, you know, there's a lot of children that, or infants that will be experiencing refugees, you know, from war situations or they, you know, this, and this, the problem with these attachment styles is intergenerational trauma. So the problem is if people don't address these or, or don't have the conscious awareness of their attachment styles, then these behaviours do obviously get passed on through generations. That was going to be um, my next question. So obviously the way we behave in relationships and how we're treated can be a huge source of vulnerability. Maybe the biggest one, I think, actually, because if you feel fundamentally unlovable or you struggle to get into a relationship or you feel like when you move towards someone, they pull away from you, like that can undermine everything else in your life, I think. Um, so you've mentioned intergenerational trauma there. Why else is it important to investigate this rather than ignoring it? It's so important because it's like you said, it's, you know, being vulnerable, you know, when if someone does pull away, it's it can just reaffirm any of those negative core beliefs, isn't it, about what we might feel if we're unlovable or we can't attach. I'm a big fan of Brené Brown and obviously her, what she says about vulnerability is uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. The thing is, we can't control other people's behavior, only our own. And as relationships are fundamental to our survival, it's important that we, you know, we investigate our internal scripts and our attachment styles because they do affect our ability to be vulnerable, to take that risk. And as you say, to be able to show up and be yourself can be really difficult for people um, when they've you know, experience, but they're, they're not aware that they, you know, these are formed 
in these infant years, these aren't necessarily their fault. They haven't got the conscious awareness that actually this is something that is almost beyond our control. Um, but yeah, saying that you can change these things, which we'll come on to, but, but being vulnerable, I mean, it is for some people, you know, they've been conditioned since infancy and you have to, to have a healthy relationship. You have to take those risks. You have to be vulnerable. You have to, to recognize that we can't control the other. We can only control what we bring into a relationship. We can educate the other, but ultimately being vulnerable is to be able to sit with our own feelings, isn't it? And to, to manage them. And I think it's, you know, it's very difficult to actually have any depth in your relationship if you're not showing someone who you really are. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. So what are some of the signs? You mentioned a few there, but what are some of the signs of someone who's got attachment issues in relationships? Well, what we call protest behaviours. So these are things that we could, you know, we might self-sabotage. So it could be looking for arguments, picking up on things, playing games, playing mind games with people, not returning calls, um, maybe often falling out with people, feeling angry. Um, so, yeah, the signs really are not being able to perhaps have long-term relationships, having the same patterns, um, noticing that you're going for the same type of partners again and again yeah you look looking for the attention like I said with the ambivalent you know when you, you might play out or do things to get attention and it's just um because you're looking for the attention you didn't get when you're younger but you're playing it out and that's the only way that you know how to operate but it's a really unhealthy pattern of behavior because actually it ultimately pushes people away. So to so these signs or these protest behaviors, if, if we're aware of them, then it, it's helpful to know where we can start to change. What do you think about ghosting? Where would you put that? Well, ghosting, um, yeah, no, for sure. I think anything's like, I mean, ghosting is really difficult, but again, it's understanding why are we ghosting? Mm. it's understanding why do we why are we pulling away from someone why would we feel that we have to go someone as a as a, um instead of communicating what we're truly feeling so it would feel like it is better for me to just cut contact than to actually show up and say look I'm not interested or is it better to cut the contact or yeah I was just thinking if, if someone's ghosting um yeah. maybe their sort of mindset is like I because of my past experiences it's going to be better for me to pretend this hasn't happened or whatever rather than try and have a difficult conversation oh completely I mean that's like the avoidant type it's like you know that was that would be protest behavior that would fall into that you know they would avoid they'd rather um dissociate from it or just to pull away than than to actually deal with anything emotionally because so, I think unless you're a sociopath <laughs> It's often behaviours aren't intentional. Do you know what I mean? Especially in sort of... Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, this is the point with... This is why attachment theory is so important because actually people don't have the conscious awareness that actually these are these are behaviours that have been formed under the age of three. And this is to do with our primary caregivers. So this is not in a way our fault that we have been conditioned to respond in the way that we do. However, if we find ourselves... Um, not being able to sustain a long-term relationship or we behave in this way we have to go through or we or we're on the other end of being ghosted yeah it's you know it's understanding how that can be detrimental so what about um how do social narratives around gender feed into this 
society expectations often shape how we're expected to behave in relationships. Um, you know, when we think about men in their early 20s sleeping around, it's sort of almost, you know, it's almost rewarded, isn't it? Like, oh, to have lots of sexual partners or women, you know, we are sort of playing hard to get. We're, con we're conditioned or we're told this is how we should behave. And the problem is that um, if we play into these, into this narrative or we adapt our roles they aren't necessarily helpful in forming healthy attachments with others so these social narratives can actually be quite detrimental you know adult attachment styles play a pragmatic role in how we perceive our past and make future decisions and these social narratives can be harmful in the way that they for you know in informing secure loving relationships because it can impact how we relate how we approach intimacy how we communicate all of these things and do you think like because I know that I was very much raised to play hard to get you know it wasn't done to be the one to ask someone out I don't think I've ever asked someone out and that's crazy you know yeah. um but I began to find over the years that like holding myself back in that way meant that I often attracted avoidant people um, who thought that I was actually going to be held back and, and, and sort of reserved. And then when we got into a relationship, I would reveal that actually I was quite full on. <laughs> actually, I disguised my true self behind this social conditioning that I needed to, you know, yeah. play hard to get. And it was really damaging. No, it can be. Exactly. And that's, you know, the point is a, a secure, healthy attachment is based on trust. So we shouldn't need to play games. We shouldn't have to behave in a certain way with a partner. If we like someone, we should, you know, it's all about communication. And I think this is the problem. We start playing games or we start, we've been told or conditioned, we should, you know, behave in a certain way. And um, and actually it's it's so outdated, it's so old fashioned. And I think it is detrimental to um, to having these secure attachments and healthy relationships with people. Yeah. So let's talk about a secure attachment then, because it sounds like, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Roughly how many of us are secure, have a secure attachment style and what's so good about it? 50% roughly of the population will have a secure attachment. So that is half obviously fall into the other categories. Um, what's good about it is about independence. I think it's about uh, a healthy attachment feeling safe in the knowledge that your partner is still going to be there or the friends are still going to be there. You know, if you go off and you do your own thing, come back, you know, it's about trust. It's secure attached people tend to have better communication skills. They, like I said at the beginning, they have a stronger self-worth because they feel secure in the base that they have. What we all aim for is, like you said, it's the pot of gold at the end, really. That's what we strive to get. Yeah. Although that makes it sound unobtainable. And, and as we're going to cover in a bit, it's not unobtainable, is it? No, it's not unattainable at all. It's yeah. not, but it takes work and it takes effort. Yeah. And I imagine it all starts with um, understanding your own attachment style and the self-awareness element. And how does that help when it comes to resilience? Well, the thing is, those that are securely attached and have had that base in infancy tend to be managed um, stressful situations they tend more effectively so they tend to be more resilient so um, and like some of the other attachment styles that can get highly anxious or they can get angry or they can avoid 
difficult situations and you know you talked at the beginning about shame disgust all of these things so you know all of this can play out so if you have a better understanding of your attachment style and why that actually might mean that you're not resilient in some areas that that's really useful in terms of working through that so knowledge is power knowledge is power if we have conscious awareness of behaviors we can change those behaviors but if we're not even aware that you know we're we're playing out in this way then obviously it's going to be it's really difficult so we've talked about the fact that it is possible to change your attachment style but how do you do it it is possible to change but it's a lot of work (laughs) it's a lot of self-awareness like i said it's the conscious awareness of of what you're doing are you self-sabotaging what are you playing out it's noticing these patterns of behaviors um it's also understanding what triggers you and being able to communicate that with your partner so um if you're really wanting to change your attachment style it's communication it's skills that can be learned so obviously understanding and then changing breaking these cycles if you're seeking more affection from somebody, if you're looking for that, also notice how you're modeling, your, you know, what you're modeling yourself in terms of the relationship and your own behaviors. Yeah, identifying your needs, communicating your needs. So if you can do all of this, it is possible to, you know, find solutions and to shift these atten- attachment styles. Just because we are conditioned at that age does not mean as adults that we can't shift them into healthier patterns. It is awareness though, fundamentally. And communication, I think is key because communication is the number one breakdown in all relationships. Mm. So in terms of self-awareness, do you have any sort of tools that people can use to start developing self-awareness? Tools to develop self-awareness? Yes, just notice, you know, when things have gone wrong in a relationship or you're finding, if you're sitting with really uncomfortable feelings or you're feeling really negative, you know, it's understanding what is it that, what, what is played out? What has been played out here? How am I operating? How am I understanding why? What underpins this? It's writing, I would say, journaling, things like that. It's understanding, noticing, writing down what's happening, noting, noting your thoughts, noticing what behaviours you're doing. So practically, yes, just anything that would make you more aware of, of how you're actually behaving and whether it's actually helpful or not. Is this pushing somebody away or not? Definitely, I think journaling can be really effective for things like that. Or again, talk to other people, talk to a therapist, talk to people, you know, about your attachment style. Even educate yourself from your parents, find out what was going on. Yeah. So it's, it's something that is very sort of self-motivated, isn't it? Like you, It's something that you have to take on. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, we have to. But often people come to therapy because they're finding themselves in these negative cycles or behaviours and they can't sustain relationships or they're avoiding them. They struggle with intimacy. They can't trust people or they notice they pull away or they feel really anxious. You know, this is why attachment and addressing these things is, is fundamental to having a healthy relationship um, moving forward. So you have to be motivated to change this. Also, change is only, we can only really work on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? That's the other part, isn't it? If we're with a partner who is avoidant and we are anxious, if we have the awareness, well, this is, that that person behaves in that way because of what they've been through or that, you know, if they're not prepared to do some of the work or educate themselves, then the reality is we have to question whether we are 
going to be able to stick in a relationship and sustain it if yeah dynamic exists because in a way there are rewards for sustaining these behaviors in that you know if you are avoidant your reward it's a weird word to call it but is that you don't have to ever open up to someone right what you said about being motivated to change I I think can often come up against these defense mechanisms um, which is why the self-awareness part is so crucial you're right we have these you know these defenses in place to protect ourselves it's about safety isn't it so you know people do avoid intimacy or avoid getting close because they don't want to get hurt but then as we said you know if we look back to Darwin's theory or you know or Balby the attachment and what we long for or really is is a relationship a, a bond a healthy bond and love and you know affection from somebody else and sometimes getting to it doesn't feel that comfortable but don't shy away from the discomfort <laughs> yeah be able to sit with those feelings be mm. able to sit with that because um yeah you're right it is it it can be a really painful process so if you if someone's listening to this and they feel very much trapped in one of the sort of insecure styles what kind of what kind of reassurance could could you give them in terms of what you can really achieve by working on attachment style well the reassurance is that it's not set in stone you can change these things so just don't feel that you know if you've been a victim of abuse or trauma in childhood and you feel like that you know you've really struggled to relate to people or let people in or feel safe this you know the work can be done if you if you're feeling trapped you know speak to a therapist or you know there is lots of resources out there in terms of attachment style but you know look at the communication patterns look at your behaviors look at how you operate and and your mindset and um you know when we talk about inter intergenerational trauma you know like i said earlier and how this passes through it's um you know, we have to understand that if we don't change some of these attachments now, we are passing this on to, you know, the next generation. And and then the dynamic, it'll still be 50% secure and 50%, you know, struggling with all these ambivalent avoidant. So, you know, fundamentally, we do need to, to be able to work on ourselves and, and for the long term and for our children's sake as well, because we can pass this on without realising. So for anyone who doesn't know what intergenerational trauma is, how would you define it? Intergenerational trauma. So it's it's patterns that we have that we are we pass down. So our parents, if they've been, you know, victims of abuse or trauma and they struggle to relate or show love or affection to the child, you know, then that generation, those children grow up with the core beliefs. I'm unlovable. And then they follow, you know, the patterns then get repeated when their parents, they don't know how to express love. They don't know how to show it um, in a healthy way. And, and this is where the intergenerational, this trauma gets passed on. So it's purely from your parents modelling to you yes. certain ways to behave and to feel about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Completely. Okay. Um, so... You mentioned self-awareness, we talked about journaling. Is there anything else that you would recommend people start doing if they want to do things differently where attachment is concerned? I think it's having the awareness. That's the key, to be honest. I think it's noticing these things. Um, spend some time reflecting. Reflect on, look at past relationships, think, look at patterns, try and identify patterns. What's gone on in the past? What are the types of people you're attracted to? 
you constantly attracted to people that are not going to be emotionally available? Are you attracted to people, um, you know, that are anxious, that um, will cling on? You know, it's that it, it's a it all fundamentally comes down to self awareness. And I usually finish these podcasts um, by asking people what their one note on vulnerability is. So that's the one thing you'd like people to take away from our conversation today. Relationships require authenticity and vulnerability and you need to take risks um it does take courage and i want people to know that if you find yourself in one of these attachment styles that are secure then it can be changed don't feel this can't work out for you um so you know take that risk um you know vulnerability is we have to to allow ourselves to be vulnerable to to, to sit with these feelings and, and to allow ourselves to work forward, you know, work through them to, to navigate change. Thank you very much. That's been a really interesting chat. No problem. Um, if you want to recommend a recommendation, um, Amir Levine's book Attached is a very good starting place for people if they're listening to this and they want to just know more or perhaps take a questionnaire. If you especially enjoyed this topic and would like to go deeper into how to take action on it, Don't forget that you can hit the subscribe button to access all the additional tips, ideas and support. I'm a resilience coach and you can find me on Instagram at alexshawcoaching, S-H-O-R-E, or online at www.shaw-coaching.com. Notes on Vulnerability also has its own Instagram, at notes on vulnerability.